Uh-huh. Not at all. Turn it up down here, man. Let's go. Underestimated and still I made it In the book of hard knocks I'm highly educated Nobody told me looked over but still dedicated Played in the league for 13 I ain't gotta be favorite Two Super Bowls, Honolulu I stood with the greatest The thing is this, it's never rich I'm good with my neighbors DB Precision, Television Ain't asked for no favors Numbers don't lie, neither do pictures Just look in the papers No backing down or turning back Part two of the movie Never the biggest But it takes more than two just to move me Ain't gotta like what I'm saying, just respect it, it's honest Run through opponents, watch the film, it's effective, I promise Either the hammer or the nail, leave the crying for mamas I played the game and gave my all when it wasn't about commas Sit back and grab your popcorn, watch me go to work And tackle all of these topics right here on Face First I'm a 12-year guy, I understand that I'm also a 12-year guy, we didn't miss a practice Yo, welcome to Face First Podcast This is our first time on the road, so this is like Face First On the road for the first time <laughs> So we're here at IMG. It's a pleasure of mine. We have Morgan Wells. Uh, he's the director of speed development here. He's basically taken over this place to, to run the combine. But there's a bigger story of, of how we got here. We work together at Traction Sports Performance. He's honestly my right-hand man when it comes to DB precision. But there was a journey for Morgan and Mo, as we call them, to get to this place. And so First off, man, I want to welcome you. I'm excited. Yes, sir. That, yes, sir. We're here. All right. Yeah, it's beautiful so, um, times. Great times. Yeah. So, like, the first thing we want to talk about is we're both from Louisiana. Truly. It's um, We grew up in, in different places. I, I lived in, in New Orleans on the West Bank. You grew up up north. But many of the struggles are, are the same. 100%. And, you know, shoot, you ain't standing up, but you ain't a big dude. Yeah. <laughs> right? But one of the toughest cats I know grew up with your mom. That was something you two had to deal with in getting you to where you were now. So talk a little bit about growing up where you grew up and kind of the struggles of getting out of there, how you did. For sure. So be me being me, I'm from Shreveport, Louisiana, uh, raised by my mother, single parent home, or her and my grandmother, much kudos. They did everything they could. You know, coming up, I wasn't always a, a bright young man. You know, I went through my trials and tribulations, got put out of a couple of schools, you know, just a a stereotypical young black man for the most part. And I was blessed enough to be able to come out of that, arise out of that, you know, staying out of the streets, staying out of the fights, staying out of the school trouble. And I really, uh, uh, it's really a testament to my dedication to sports. Mm -hmm. So with sports, you know, sometimes it's cliche when people say sports saved my life, but it's true. It's true. So, me growing up, I played tennis, basketball, soccer, well, I bet baseball. Who in tennis though? <laughs> I was I was I was decent. I was decent. <laughs> you so were fun, fast. That's so what you were. Fun fact. Fun fact here. My grandfather grew up playing with the father of Venus and Serena Williams. Okay. So he's from Shreveport as well. Right. Definitely they, tennis royalty. Yeah. So black tennis royalty. Truly. For sure. Truly. Yeah. So and then they all moved out to California. So my mother's from San Francisco. Okay. So before they moved back with my grandmother to Louisiana and then somewhere on down the road, here I am. So I had it in me a little bit, you know, but it was at the, it was the same time as track season. So I was like, eh, I'm not playing that. You know, Here's my question, though, about tennis. There we go. Did you wear Jordan shorts? 100 percent not. 100 <laughs> percent not. I had the I had the, uh, the little Nike green tennis shorts. You know, I, I, was, I was decent. You know, right. I, I could get to the ball. My backhand wasn't very solid, but here nor there. Uh, football as well. I was DB. Mm -hmm. You know, DB, slot wide receiver, kickoff return, punt return. I was fast. Uh, I was pretty decent in my position. So, 
You know, I was a decent athlete, but nonetheless, you know, growing up, I was always I was blessed to have a different mindset from a lot of people. And I was also blessed to be able to be an intelligent young man. So I got in a lot of trouble, but I also made straight A's. So, you know, there's kind of a man, if we can just get him to relax a little bit, he'll be he's going to be good. So but also I was never the best at what I did. I was just always the hardest working, you know, so. I wasn't always the starting safety, but I was always the hardest working. I wasn't the best hurdler on my team, but I was always the hardest working. I wasn't the best test taker. I didn't have the best GPA, but I was always the hardest working. So I took that into my personal life and into my career, and it paid, you know, up to this point, tremendous dividends, you know, having that same work ethic and passion about what I do and how it come about. Right, so when I met you, it was after working at LSU, being in the, on the strength staff with, with, with Moffitt and right. working with track. But your journey to LSU was different. Now we, you know, when people talk about you, it's former hurdler of the LSU track team. And when right. you hear LSU track team, I'm just going to be honest. I don't think five, six human. A hundred percent. Right? You 100%. know, like when I, when, I, when I picture you running hurdles, I feel like I only see your head over the hurdle when you actually Getting jump over it. over it. You know, like you see... Uh, what's my man in Florida now? Uh, that went to Florida, Holloway. Just left. Holloway. Yes, sir. Like I was, I stood next to dude. He's a large, big human, dude, right? And so, and, small. and so when I think, when I think track, when I think hurdler, that's what I think. And then I meet you, and I understand you more so. The same way with me wasn't the best, wasn't the fastest, but you went to McNeese first, right? So what happened? What brought you from McNeese to LSU, and and how do you make that jump? Because usually people move down, right? Right. In college, oh, yes, we're, we're going to move down, definitely. But you make that step up. You know what was that process like for you, and what made you make that decision? So coming out of Shreveport, Louisiana, I ran for Captain Shreve High School, and uh, I ended up, you know, I was decent my junior year. I had a couple offers my sophomore year, but Junior year, I was decent, and senior year, I kind of exploded. Ran ran pretty fast, 300 hurdles, ended up running 38, 37. And the thing is, I was decent enough, but my height was always a thing. Even in high school, I know I had to be the best technician in order to beat the taller guys. So I ended up going to McNeese. I was supposed to go to Louisiana Tech, actually. But my best friend, Tevin Remo, he ended up not getting into Louisiana Tech. I was like, man, wherever you going, I'm going. We're going to go together, and we're going to run the show. So he ended up having to go to McNeese. I was like, man, I'll come too. But the environment and the culture wasn't – I knew that I needed better, and I know I wanted more. So I went down there. I was all conference, um, top 10 in the conference, doing really well. I was on full scholarship, and – but something within me said, you need more. Just the environment. I got tired of people saying, oh, where you go to school? I go to McNeese State. Where's that? So, you know, I knew that I wanted bigger. And I also thought bigger than track. So I was like, at some point, you know, what am I going to do after this? You know, what can I get out of a career at McNeese State University? So I definitely want to thank everybody that's there. You know, they gave me a shot. They gave me a chance. And, you know, it was a good experience, a learning experience. I crossed there as well. Uh, I'm an alpha. So well, We all make mistakes. <laughs> so, you know, the Greek life, Greek life, the best life. But and then so but the path wasn't smooth to get to LSU. So I had to I ended up leaving. I left before I I turned down my full scholarship for my next year at McNeese State without even knowing if I was going to have a spot at LSU, mm. without knowing if I was going to get into LSU, without knowing where I was going to live, without anything. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to bet on myself. 
uh, something that you know already I always do. I always bet on myself, and I've been that way my whole life. So reached out to the coach. I made the decision. I had to go to summer school. I had to take uh, – I ended up taking four classes in one summer semester just mm-hmm. so I could be – to be able to transfer and get into the school. I didn't find out I got into LSU until late July. You know, school starts right. in August. I didn't find out I was going to get into LSU until then. So I get in – rough first semester you know things were so easy at at mcneese and i was like man i I couldn't run because i was ineligible i was taking extremely hard classes gpa was extremely low i was like all right man, what you gonna do you know are you gonna fold are you gonna you know make it happen so the spring turned around i got my mind right i got my things together turned it around and then the upcoming years when i made the team i was on the team didn't know how I was going to pay for school, didn't know anything, ended up being on a full scholarship through the school, so I didn't have to pay anything for school. And it was just a testament of, once again, faith and hard work. Yeah. You know? And so you get to this point, right? You you go through these different things because it's obviously extremely difficult, one, to make the jump from a McNeese to an LSU. Definitely. To have kind of the self, the understanding of self-worth, the, also the self-awareness to think, I have bigger things planned for me than what I can get here but then you get into it and sometimes it's like yeah the grass is greener but not in the spot i'm in right and so you go through all these things you get your opportunity to run and then you get some news or you deal with some things that most people can't understand dealing with they don't understand that what while i'm trying to do all these things and i'm trying to accomplish all these goals from a sports uh, perspective 100 there's life and death right you know like like one day i'm cool running the, the next day, they're telling me I got a tumor that might be bigger than my head. And I'm making yeah. it a little bit uh-huh. different, but I, I've seen the pictures and I understand. Right. Like, I know what, you, what you, you have gone through. How did you find out you had the tumor? And what was your first initial reaction to hearing that that was something that you had, had been dealing with right. and now had to get taken care of? So, firstly, going back to the symptoms, you know, um, growing up, I always had bad nosebleeds. So my mom always just attests to, you're outside a lot, you know, you're a little kid, you're in the heat, right. you spend the majority of your time outside, that's what it's from. Cool. I ended up having, I've had the tumor, had the tumor for 15 years is what they dated it. And, when, and how old were you when you found out that you had it? When I, I found out I had it my senior year of college. So what, you were 21, 22 years old? I was 22, right. You had it since you were, so you had 15 years, so since you were seven. Accurate. Wow. So with that being said, you know, I go throughout my whole life and then the symptoms just kept getting worse. So throughout my college years, I was having terrible back pains. I was having terrible migraines. Uh, When I got to LSU, I was having terrible like what I thought was like stomach virus type stuff. And I was throwing up. I'd travel and go to track meets. I'd be sick the night before. If there are six practices in a week, three of those practices, I was lightheaded, woozy, feeling like I was about to throw up. But if you ask anybody on any one of my teams, you couldn't tell that. So I had to fight through those things because I'm realistic about my position. You know, I know at any point, just like being in the NFL, if you're an undrafted free agent, Mm -hmm. right? You know that at any point, you know, if you get hurt, you're out. Yeah. So I know that and they'll replace me in a heartbeat. We can only have so many people on the roster. So, you know, I just tough through it. So. My senior year, I was getting ready to get done running. It was the week of national championships. I had already started working in the weight room with Coach Moffitt as an intern with the strength and conditioning staff. And I'll never forget, it was like 4 or 5 in the morning. You know, I woke up with a a migraine and 
and that was so bad I felt it in my teeth. So I was like, man, this this can't be right. I'm calling everybody. Nobody answers. So I tell Coach Moffitt, I said, Coach Moffitt, hey, uh, I called him and Eric Donald. I said, hey, man, I'm going to be a little late. You know, let me just go to the ER and make sure everything's okay. Then I'll be in about a couple hours. Of course, they were cool with it. So with that being said, I get to the hospital. Somehow I got there. I don't even remember. I drove, but I don't remember how I get there. Ended up getting a ticket that I found out about like two okay. years later from the red light. But nonetheless, I get there and – I start, you know, do all the tests and everything's negative, you know, and I come to find out later on that I was possibly about to have a stroke, but everything is negative. The blood work, the x-ray, all the tests that they initial. So luckily there was a doctor there that came in and that knew me from LSU. Mm-hmm. He said, what's up, Mo? How you doing? How you feeling? So I gave him the rundown. He said, okay, well, let's just get a CAT scan to be sure that everything is everything. So I go get the scan. He comes back in. He's like, yeah, so... Don't want you to panic, but uh, you have a huge mass on your brain. Uh, he showed me. He said it, it, it's possibly a tumor. So, so w- were they going to do the CAT scan had this doctor not walked in? Not at all. I was about to leave. Okay. They got fluids in me and gave me IV. I was feeling a little better. I was about to go back to the weight room. Probably would have passed out in the weight room. But nonetheless, I'm like, okay, so... At that immediate point, so I get it from my grandmother. My grandmother never panicked about anything. Mm-hmm. Mom, completely opposite. Big time panicker. <laughs> she, no, my boy. Oh he's out. He's out. Get the casket. <laughs> so, what suit you want to wear, baby? Well, you know who you want to speak. Yeah, it's. I was to her. I was on my way out, but to me, I didn't panic. You know, and and I think that's what kept me sane and calm and helped my recovery throughout the whole process because I was like, okay, what's next? I'm going to be okay. You know, my faith is that strong and going through that ordeal. So uh, they tell me, then I have to do a full MRI. I'm in the MRI for like two hours, man. It was serious. Mm. I called my mom. I called my mom right before I went into the MRI. Think about getting this call from one of the kids. (laughs) And so she waiting two hours, though. Well, the thing is, because I called, it was like five in the morning. So she had just got off work. She works overnight. Called, said, hey, mom, I believe I have a tumor. I'm at the hospital right now. I'm about to get in the MRI machine. Please tell me to leave a message. She was on the phone. She answered. I said, hey, I have a tumor. I'm at the hospital about the MRI. I'll call you when I get out. Mm -hmm. Then I had to get off the phone because I was about to go in the MRI machine. I could only imagine what she did from there. I'm going to tell you, I'm I'm a father. So, one, the MRI would have been late. You might have died before you got in because you're going to have to explain to me yeah. what the hell is going on. Right, 100%. What you mean? What you mean you got a tumor? Like, I've been around you my whole life. So, and two, when you're not a part of the situation as yeah. a parent, it's scarier. Yeah. Like, if I, if I had something going on, I'm good. You know, Jaden Jordan or Logan got something going on. I don't know how to handle it. Yeah, so, for I'm you out. to you call out. your mama Take you out. and go get in the MRI, you probably should have passed out because of that. Yeah. 100%. So that was probably the fastest she's probably ever gotten to Baton Rouge mm-hmm. from Shreveport. So she probably hopped in the car immediately. Right. Um, memory is a little foggy from there. I remember, you know, getting the MRI. They had to check me in. I had, of course, I had to call Moffitt back. And so the thing that amazed me most was the amount of support that I got during mm-hmm. the process. You know, I mean, it came from across the country. You know, I was on a lot of media platforms, the news, TV, everything. And also a testament, if you don't have health insurance, get it. Yeah. Because it was like a, a half a million dollar ordeal. You know, mm-hmm. luckily I was, I was on my mom. She has really good insurance. And 
at that time. And I was like, man, what, right. how much? Because you die. Right. And the yeah. thing is, the system is set up to where they're not even scheduling your surgery until you pay that deductible. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, um, we need $2,500 before we can do anything. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what? You serious? Yeah. I'm a college student. A college student that's an intern at that. You know, coming right. from a single parent background. So for me, 2500 was like, we in trouble. So right. that's when I raised GoFundMe, raised, ended up in, man, in like a matter of a week, ended up raising like 30000 mm -hmm. Um Bills totaled out to be around fifty, but um, something I've taken care of over the years. And it was, it was tremendous the amount of support that I had. And, you know, I was in the hospital for seven days. It was from that uh, Wednesday uh, to the, no, I was in the hospital 10 days. I'm sorry. From Wednesday, I had to wait till the next week to get my actual surgery. So got my actual surgery and it, it was supposed to be a four hour surgery, ended up being seven. I was supposed to, I had two, two procedures actually. The first one was an embolism where they have to go in and kill the nerves. The second one is the actual resection of the tumor. Right. And the AC unit went out for the embolism. That procedure, so I'm supposed to be under for two surgeries, but they was like, hey, man, we got to get it out, but you got to do both surgeries in right. the same day. So the first one, I was awake. Most painful experience I've ever, next to a catheter, most painful experience I've ever had, you know, but got through it, of course, and got the surgery, and, you know, I was blessed, and they told me, hey, man, you might not be able to walk, you might not be able to talk, you might not remember anything, so we just want you to be prepared for when you wake up, you know. And I, mean, I always remember the doctor came in the next morning. And I had already woke up, ordered breakfast, thinking right. nothing of it. You know, right. I ordered breakfast. And I only remember waking up before that at like 3 in the morning because I had the tube and they had taken it out. Mm -hmm. I, was, so I, I said, I need water. I need right. water. I need water. So yelling at the nurses. And they're like, we can't give you water. Can't give you water. Found out two seconds later why they couldn't give me water because they gave me water and I threw it all up. <laughs> so... <laughs> so yeah. Um, but the next morning it was smooth, man, walked around the, um, ICU and I was in the ICU for like two hours. They let me go approximately like two and a half days later. And, you know, after that, and, you know, I think why Moffitt was, uh, really impressed with my dedication and work ethic, because after that, my head was the size. If anybody knows, and Leonard Fournette definitely knows, cause he's making, make, in this situation, still making fun of my head. Um, I went back to work like 10 days later uh -huh. after that, you know, as soon as they told me I could drive. Right. I was out. You know, I was back at uh, LSU Football Ops. That's when we had the pain cave. But the whole ordeal just gave me a, a different outlook on life. You know, it gave me a different outlook on everything that I had endured up yep. until that point. Because, I mean, you know, my life could have ended it several times growing up. and But that one being the most, the, the biggest one, of course, and, and just helped give me a new perspective on every day. Yeah, as, as somebody who's, obviously, I had a, a different medical ordeal, but when... You come that close to thinking it's over. And I, I'll be honest, I was a little different. I had allowed myself to go to it will be over. Right. And I think the, the reason I did that was because, you know, I, had a, I have a wife and I had babies. And mm -hmm. so I wanted to do my best to cover them in prayer and be accepting of, of what was happening to me because I needed them to be able to accept it. But 100%. then- even in that, I was like, but I ain't going to die, though. Yeah. You know, I was like, I'm going to do all this. Yeah, but I'm good. But I'm good. Yeah, and just because you don't, I think when you're in it, you feel like you can overcome anything. Like right. you're, you're, you're Superman. Faith, you're, your faith is, is different in yourself. And you're probably wrong. 
you know. Definitely. But, but I also remember coming out of it, and I woke up on a Tuesday morning. I, ha- I had my surgery on a Monday. The doctor comes in, and kind of like your doctor who came in and saved you with the CAT scan, they only let me go take a test because I called. Mm-hmm. And he even said, he's like, man, I was in New York. I had gave, given you that test three times. I just let you go because you called me. Right. And he's like, had you not called me, you wouldn't have made it through the weekend. And so my thought is, God is in that, mm-hmm. right? That's the reason I picked up the phone. God is in it. That's the reason the doctor comes in the room and, and says, okay, let me just give you a CAT scan mode so 100%. we can see. But I also remember what it was like waking up and going, oh, crap, I'm still alive. I'm still, yeah. So, yeah, once, yeah. You get, so once you get to that point, are you planning, sitting in that hospital, all right, here's my move, here's my next move, here's where I want to be, and this has to start now because just like you said, you could have lost your life Growing up at many times, it's like, no, this one was real. For real, for real. So does it reset you and have you and give you a clearer vision on what your path is to be from that day forward? A hundred percent, because at that point, before that, I was planning on doing the summer LSU. I had just got admitted. I wanted to do my graduate school program at Texas Southern at HBCU, get my master's there. I had already picked out apartments in Houston, and I was ready to move to Houston. And it was just a simple fact of the the mere support that I got from LSU during that time. I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna stay here. I'm mm-hmm. gonna stay here for a while and, and see what I can get done here. You know, staying on staff, and that's when I stayed on staff. I made a full recovery um, by the grace of God, and then that's when I went to New York to work for Exos. All right, so you you've bounced around. So we've been to you were at Exos, you were yes, at sir. Traction Sports Performance, which is where we met and started our relationship, and then. You know, you kind of fast forward through all those things, making decisions to be in a better place. Like right. I remember working with you, and I knew I was like, "Hey, man, he's gonna be here for a short time, but it's gonna be a good time. Right. It ain't gonna be a long time." Definitely. And I was like, "All right, so how can I learn and continue to get better with him, and how can I help put him in a position to where people understand how talented this dude is?" And then you had this great class at MJP last year. I mean, Rashawn Gary, McCole Hardman. Uh, guys who get drafted high, guys who do extremely well at the combine. What's it like to go from where you make the decision to be with Coach Moffitt and to right. finish at LSU to having a class like that and really being the man that starts shoot slides you right is a real thing now because yep. of that. Kind of take us through what it was last offseason being at MJP. Mm-hmm. So, you know, leaving Traction, you know, I did right at two years there. I think that was my longest stint after I left Exos. And it was just crazy because of the the timeline. You know, like when I was at Exos, I told I said, hey, I told my boss, I was like, hey, man, I'm really good at speed. You know, y'all should let me do. Let me do what I do. Instead, I was working at sports marketing, sports mm-hmm. science, and sports, some sports performance. And I was like, man, let me let me do my thing. I got y'all. But, you know, they were stuck in their models. So then I came to Traction and you gave me the platform to be able to showcase my talents, you know, staying there, proving myself and then and getting the call from MJP, you know, talking with a couple of people from there, Brian McCall and Jessica DeFiori and going there in the spring. It was it was different. You know, I got to learn more of the business aspect of right. it. I got to have, I had a full staff and a full team, uh, the good and the bad side of the business. But I got to learn, you know, even more so how to deal with a lot of high-level athletes at the mm-hmm. same time, you know, how to pay extreme ad- attention to detail. So my time there definitely made me a better person. It definitely made me a better teacher and educator, made me a better coach. So it, it was good, man, getting to work with 
a lot of different personalities. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a lot of different per- personalities, but seeing those guys go to Indianapolis last year and succeed the way that they did, you know, that's the greatest joy. Right, yeah. So, so we, would, we would talk about it, and you say, hey, man, Rashawn Gary is going to run this. Yep. McCole Harmon is going to run this. And, Definitely. And, you know, you have to have a certain eye to see those things, but especially when you with those dudes every day, right. you start to, one, develop expectations of mm-hmm. them. And the other part is, like, you develop hope. Right. Like, yeah, I know you can do this, so now I hope it happens. When you see those dudes go out and perform in the way that you have trained them the whole time, what's it like? Because that's – people don't understand when you get into this business, that becomes your game. Right. Right? That that becomes your measure. Those are your wins right. and losses. So how does it feel to have guys go perform well and show love now Now mm-hmm. that I see them in the league the way that they do? Right. Uh Time old saying, numbers don't lie. They really don't. You're only as good as your last performance. So my account, my last year, I don't count what I did, you know, so much three, four, five years ago. I count what we just did. And and that was phenomenal what me and Brian McCall were able to do at MJP. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just so good to see because it's high risk, high reward. Mm -hmm. Because if you mess it up, Right. Oh, that's on your head. You know, right. you and, can mess and, up and one class. That's other cat's life. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's million, That's millions right. of dollars, you know. So if I mess that up, I'm on the hook. That's why I take it so serious. And that's why my retention is usually pretty high because they see the genuine care that I have about their success. And it's not just about a dollar sign with them to me, you know. I really, really, really want to see those guys win. And, you know, so it's, it's a reflection on both of us. My hard work and effort that I put into it and their dedication to the process because the process is different from anyone that they've done before. I think, you know, when people, when people look at it, right, you see there, there are facilities that pop up everywhere hundred percent, and everybody wants to train. And I say this and I do not mean it in a negative way. It is legit. The new drug dealing. Yeah. Right. Because people feel like, all right, I can do this. I've run before. I've, played football before definitely i don't want a real job yeah it's like rapping right or or, or singing and you know singing you probably have to have a little talent rapping, gotta have a little rapping, rapping you ain't gotta have that we much can talent make it anymore. i can drop a right you, you drop my beat i could definitely drop a mixtape it's gonna be pool but <laughs> you can drop one and so now you look at that you, you have this success at mjp and obviously i talked to you you know like through the through the decisions, I'm not saying talk with them or make help you make them, but I'm saying you telling me, RC, I got this popping off at IMG. I can do this. And so now you come to IMG. You you work throughout the season. I'm seeing you. You're at this game. You're at that game. You're talking to different players, and you're trying to make sure you can build a roster here. I mean, I come over here. It's Swift and, mm-hmm. and Del Pitt and Fulton and Jefferson and Chasson, all of these names that we've heard all season. Right. How did you, one, cut down your list to where you're like, okay, these are the type of guys I want to work with. Right. And two, how do you eventually get those guys to become a part of Slide You or a part of the IMG Academy Combine Program? Right. And so that process, so, you know, a lot of facilities, and I only speak on places that I've been or things that I fully know of. I don't speak without knowing. I always speak about something I've been through or been around somebody that's been through it themselves. Never he say, she say. So that process itself, I never go reach out to guys that I have absolutely zero, no no connection to. You know, if I, if a guy comes to me that I have zero connection to, likely it's because an agent that I have a connection to brings them to me. So most of the time it's guys that I've talked to before, worked with before, 
have some I have trained somebody that went to their school and knows them very well and I mm -hmm. did exceptionally well with them mm -hmm. and they want to you know and they reach out on Bob I have so but I so I rarely 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 ever go in with zero connection to right. them you know because everybody likes needs to have a it's not what you know it's who you know and how they know you right you know so with that being said you know you have to have a good rapport and have a good resume of results when reaching out to these guys mm -hmm. and so when I, I reach out and or if I go to a game and I go, you know, talk to these guys or talk to their teammates about talking to them, it, it's pretty smooth because they have something to work off of. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't like doing a lot of dry calling because I'm not trying to train everybody. Right. I have zero desire to train 60, 70, 80 guys in a year. I told everybody here at IMG I was going to have 20 dudes this year. I got 20 dudes this year. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go over. Didn't want to go under. That's what it is. So. That process, you know, lost a few, gained a few, and it just is what it is. Guys make their own decisions, but I never hold it over a guy's head. I always tell these guys and anybody who chose somewhere else can tell you that. I say, hey, man, it's all love or whatever you need, man. During the process, you need to send me videos for me mm -hmm. to look at. I got you because at the end of the day, it's about these guys' success. At the end of the day, it's about these guys going out there and making the most money possible, making their families proud, making their friends proud doing their selves a good justice at the NFL combine and at their individual pro days, you know, and going out there and continuing to develop their name and who they are. Yeah. And I think people will listen to this and, and, and watch this and think to themselves, all right, how do you get into it? Right. How, how do you get people to trust you? Because in, in the end, you are not selling anything, right? Right. Not you're, at all. You're, you're, you have to say, "This is who I am. Mm -hmm. These are my credentials. These are the things that I can bring to you. Right. I want to give them to you wholeheartedly, but they got to believe in you. Mm -hmm. They have to trust you. And I think, obviously, it, it comes. It, it works well when somebody gives you a, a recommendation or when right. somebody links you. But also, they got to come here and see it. Mm -hmm. So right now, you have this class with all of these top-notch players you have first rounders you may have the first running back off the board the first mm -hmm. safety off the board one of the top wide receivers off the board when you get those guys at the facility when you get those guys on the ground from a relationship perspective what is it that you focus on making sure they know right away mm -hmm. they understand as well and you make sure you deliver on the most important thing to me is one making sure that they know that i'm accessible I probably get 50 FaceTime calls a day throughout from everybody, <laughs> right. you know, making sure that they know that I'm accessible and that I'm here for them. Number two is making sure that they know that I know that they're comfortable. You know, I want this to be a low stress, high energy environment because they feed off of me and they feed off of what I do. Even if they're the number one draft pick, a top five draft pick, whatever it is, a lot of these guys still need guidance. Mm -hmm. They still need and want support. So we have to be here to, to do that. And I also make sure that everybody on our staff knows that as well, you know, in a positive uh, manner. So and those are the two main things, you know, hey, man, I'm here for you. Whatever you need, whatever it is, I got you. You're going to be good. You know, mm -hmm. building that rapport, building that trust and not just saying that. But when the phone rings, I answer it. Right. You know, I have a couple guys that are in the NFL right now. FaceTime me at two in the morning, you know, because they're out in LA mm. and that phone rings, I'm going to answer because you never know what could be going on. You know, if these guys trust you to trust you to come in and to trust you with their process, you know, then that's who I have to be. 
and I'm perfectly okay with that. And I've got these guys here and hoping to take them to the next level as well as I've done guys before and even in the NFL offseason as well. So you've had all this great success, obviously having success recruiting at IMG right now, and this is the this is the private sector. This is a little bit different than team. You develop Definitely. your own team. So what is your end game, your ultimate goal in this profession or another? Somebody to say, Mo, where do you see yourself in 15 years? Where would that be? Right. And a common theme I always get is guys always ask me, why don't you just open up your own place? For the record, zero desire to open my own facility. <laughs> right. Zero, because I've seen the in and outs. Like, you have to respond to so many different things. And mm. the revenue, I don't want to spend another 10, 12 years, you know, building something up in the prime of my career. I'm not even prime because, you know, my name is just now starting to rise up a good amount. And it's like, I mean... I make a good amount now. If I go down, and I get, you know, you have to, sometimes you have to take a pay cut to get a pay raise. I live and die by that. But with that being said, no desire to open my own facility. You know, <laughs> I can go attain money in other ways. I'll invest. I want to invest. I want to, mm. you know, you know, get into real estate, get into properties, get into tech. That stuff's different from my actual occupation. That stuff can make money on its own, in mm. a sense. So with that being said, college, there's only – Two colleges I would go to work for, mm -hmm. you know. NFL, I prefer if I did NFL strength and conditioning. So I have some options here, you know, when it comes to my long-term goals. NFL, I prefer to only work in Texas or Florida. You know, I will go anywhere. Right. But Texas or Florida, no state taxes. I already knew why. Man, it's <laughs> lovely. I was working for Exos and living in New Jersey and working in Manhattan and seeing that was my first exposure to. Taxes? Man, y'all are paying me a lot, but – Real tax, like I've been, you know, doing little jobs right. and getting paid and having to file taxes, but it hit different up there. And you know, yeah, yeah I've you. been there. I played, I played for the Giants. I think, I, I don't think young people quite understand expecting to make a certain amount of money, hundred percent, and then getting a lot less right. than that. And the, the part is too, they show you minus such and such. That's what hurt me. Man. I don't want to see how much is mine. So Just take much. it. They take so much. So, but with that being said. If I was at IMG for another 20 years, it wouldn't face me at all. As long as my yearly map is where I would like it to be and want it to be, as long as my monetary compensation is where I want it to be and I'm able to develop something here that's not anywhere else, mm -hmm. I have no problem being here. You know, so long term, but I always chase, I don't really chase titles. I don't really chase positions. I, ta I chase Point states and states of self contentment. Mm -hmm. You know, a place in life. I want to be happy. I want to be content with where I am. I want good weather. You know, right? And you know, I want my family to be. <laughs> I want my family to be taken care of. I do a lot for my mom. Mm -hmm. I do a lot for my grandmother. I want them to be taken care of. You know, I want it to be somewhere where athletes want to come train and be great and be a part of something special. You know. And I really just I chase a state of mind, a state of peace, a state mm -hmm. of tranquility rather than chasing right. a title, you know, mm -hmm. or chasing I want to be the CEO. I want to be the head strength coach for whoever, you know, I chase rather a state of mind, a state of stability, mm -hmm. you know, whether that be mentally, financially, socially, you know, whatever the case may be. That's what I rather attain mm -hmm. long term than just trying to chase a title because God will put me in the places that he knows that I need to be in. Yeah, I think 
one, I appreciate you coming on, I, and I'm glad we got to cover a lot of what made you who sure. you are, because we're obviously a part of our experience, experiences. Um, also, who made you, right? right? Talking about your mother and your grandmother, and now seeing where you are now and what you are allowing people to do. I'll end with this. We have a, a different type of friendship. You know, people say people are their brothers, but... Not often do you get opportunities to show people that you will cut and ride for them in right. real time. Right. It usually, it usually happens once it's like once it's all said and done. You sit around and you're old and you decide to have a beer and you go, "Hey, man, remember when this happened? Remember right. when that happened?" You know, I don't think people get opportunities to realize what relationships are and how a relationships evolve. Right. And I can tell people from our relationship. I remember meeting you. I didn't hire you. Right. Right. I walked in the room. There's like, hey. This dude becomes highly recommended. You know, if Moffitt says it, it's golden. Yeah, right. In truly. Louisiana, they, they love him. He's this dude. He's that that dude. He has this talent. He's going to work here. And I remember sitting down with you the first time and talking to you and going, dang, dude's really smart. Right. right? And, he's, and he's really hardworking. And I remember having the conversation of, I know you won't be here forever. Right. While you're here, I'll try to do whatever I can to make sure that you're happy and you're fulfilled and you're whole. I knew the place Right. Wasn't big enough for you. Right. And you, and you build it up and, and you start to become who you are and you go to MJP and I sit and I watch your success there and I'm happy. Right. And I love to see it. And then you move here and how relationships work. It's like, hey, RC, would you come to IMG? Right. Now, I don't leave. Yeah. Right. I like to be at my house when I can be at my house. But not only are you someone I... I care for and someone I place value on, but you do things I place value on. Right. And I think that that's a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful evolution when you see somebody, at least on my end, I saw you walk in, I knew who you were, I knew who God had made you to be, and to now see you begin to walk in that and other people understand it, Right. it's it's truly a great thing. So I continue to wish you well. Obviously, we'll work together going forward, but if there's one thing, like I know what I know about Mo Wells, if there's one thing you want people to understand about whether it is how you got here, why you here, or where you plan to go, it's your floor, what would you like them to know? I think that I would like them to know, most importantly, that I've gotten to this point by, when it comes to my work effort and my dedication and my perseverance, I don't tell a lot of people no. In a, in a, it's a, and I say that in a good way because people say, oh, I tell people no all the time. But when it comes to things where I might have to sacrifice time, I might have to sacrifice something that maybe I don't want to do, you know, for to be in the situation. If my boss at the time needs me to do one thing and I plan on doing something else, if they need me to get somewhere at a certain time, they need me to stay till a certain time. I've gotten to this point by not saying no a lot, you know. And, you know, the, one of the best abilities is availability, mm. you know, when it comes to wherever you're working, wherever you are in life, whatever your relationship is, making yourself available. So I think that was one of the big things. And to me, honestly, right place, right time. You know, when you get an opportunity, you really, truly have to seize it. Mm. You know, you really have to truly take full advantage of where you are. So when I got a chance to run track in college, I took advantage. Mm. When I got a chance to run for LSU, I took advantage. I not only took advantage of running for LSU, I took advantage of the vast resources around me, mm -hmm. you know. There's, you know, at LSU, you know, I can do a lot of things at LSU that a lot of people that were in my same position, you know, being an athlete at LSU can't go there and do. 
You know, and I don't take that for granted. You know, I can walk in certain rooms. I can talk to certain people. And that's because I went there and I built relationships with people. I did things the right way. I handled myself the right way. And I continue to carry myself the right way no matter what capacity that I work in. Mm -hmm. So my path here, you know, it's, it's been bumpy, but it's also been fruitful because of the hours and dedication I put into it. One of the most special classes to me was the one that we had yeah. attraction because it wasn't full of first rounders. Yeah. It was full of a lot slower dudes, yeah. you know, but some gritty uh want to work weren't, hard. They, they weren't there. highly touted, weren't highly scouted, At ranked. All, yeah. You know, and we moved those guys up. Yeah. You know, we moved those guys into in into a special place. And now and now and now, you know, I think the other piece people should know is like those are our guys. Definitely, hundred percent. You know, they, they rock with us, we rock with them and I think in this business, you get an opportunity to touch so many people. Our goal should be to make lasting relationships. And you do that two ways. You do that by the way you treat them right. and by the way you train them. Right. It, but eventually, the training is going to be done. Yeah. So the relationship that you have built is, is what keeps you. Right. You know what I mean? And I know I definitely wholeheartedly agree with that because, you know, relationships are what bring a lot of people to me. So I just have to continue to do a good job. And I say I also thrive myself on not being envious of what the next person has or what the position that the next person holds. My first thought is to collaborate. Mm -hmm. Always, no matter what space I walk in, anybody here at IMG can tell you. And I probably know most pe more people here than most people in one program or department know because I go and I walk into every office, mm -hmm. whether that be accounting, whether that be the media department, whether that be talking to the campus guards, whether that be talking to the hotel concierge, whether that be knowing everybody on the nutrition staff, speaking to all the mental coaches, being, you know, close and collaborative with all the strength coaches that work in my same capacity. It's always about collaboration. Mm -hmm. You know, not only what can I get, what can I give, Right. you know, and it, it really brings me to a special place because now I have an opportunity to also give other people opportunities, you know, entry-level guys coming in. I can make recommendations. And one of the biggest joys for me is not only helping athletes, but helping people in this realm of sports performance and athletic training get jobs here or other places based on my recommendation because now just how somebody else's name holds weight, mine now holds a little bit too. So if I tell somebody, hey, they're good people, you know, check them out, at least hear them out and interview them, nine times out of ten, they do it, you know, and that's really – that's really special to me because the athletes are the athletes, but it's extremely hard to make it today, you know, with the, you know, just in the workforce in general. So being able to help athletes and people in our realm of sports and healthcare, you know, I don't take that lightly, man. It, it's a truly a blessing and just hoping that we continue to grow and blossom and help these athletes get the results that they desire. And man, get every penny that they can get, yeah. you know, because uh, they say money don't buy happiness. Being broke don't buy you anything. So, <laughs> but so yeah. it's always good, man. I'm in a really good place here at IMG. I really love the opportunity that I've been given here. You know, uh, plenty of resources here. And I truly, you know, having have been at the top other facilities in the world, man, the, the atmosphere, the resources, the staff, it really doesn't compare to anywhere I've been before. It's truly different, mm -hmm. you know, and to be able to call this home for the time being. And to, I'm just – eager but patient to see how the future unfold, what is presented to me, and, you know, just to continue to grow as a young man and a young professional in this career path. Well, I mean, she, talking about blessings, you were a blessing to us. Uh, this is a 
This is first face first on the road. On the road. I, I often well, yeah. can't say that in closing, but <laughs> I said it today. So DB Precision's face first. Our guest, Morgan Wells. We know him as Mo Wells. We appreciate you. Slide you. And um, obviously, we'll hear more from you in the future. What's up? All right, my dog. All love, baby. Yes, sir. Not at Let's all. Let's turn it up down here, man. Yeah. Underestimated and still I made it In the book of hard knocks I'm highly educated Nobody told me looked over but still dedicated Played in the league for 13 I ain't gotta be favorite Two Super Bowls, Honolulu I stood with the greatest The thing is this, if never rich I'm good with my neighbors DB Precision, television Ain't asked for no favors Numbers don't lie, neither do pictures Just look in the papers No backing down or turning back Part 2 of the movie Never the biggest But it takes more than two just to move me Ain't gotta lie like what I'm saying, just respect it, it's honest Run through opponents, watch the film, it's effective, I promise Either the hammer or the nail, leave the crying for mamas I played the game and gave my all when it wasn't about commas Sit back and grab your popcorn, watch me go to work And tackle all of these topics right here on Face First I am a 12-year guy, I understand that But I'm also a 12-year guy who didn't miss a practice